CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. What's up, nerds? This is Just a Couple Arslings, the Last Kingdom podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica Toomer. And I am Alyssa Fixie. We are writers at Sci-Fi Wire's Fangirls who started recapping The Last Kingdom in Season 3, so we decided to bring that nerdy, horny energy to Podcastlandia. Jessica, how are you doing on this fine evening? I'm doing great, but I think we should just go ahead and get into it because I hear that you have some very serious thoughts about I the do. conversation I happening do. right now. I, you know, whenever I think about, like, I try not to, you know, frame our small talk section too much because I want it to be loose and, you know, not you know, super stilted or whatever. But real. I've been th- we're real here. We're we real, get real human women and we just want to be as transparent as we possible. We just want to bullshit. Right. Exactly. And but I wanted to talk about I saw all this on Twitter yesterday. I want to talk about remakes and why I think Oof. they are mostly bad. Ooh, coming out of the gate <laughs> strong. <laughs> Did you see all of the hubbub on Twitter yesterday when they were when somebody floated the idea that maybe people were talking about remaking The Princess Bride? I was just so happy that you used the word hubbub. <laughs> it was a hubbub. Oh, it was a hubbub. Right, right. Um, yeah, Twitter has many hubbubs, but I did see that one, and yeah. it really... For a moment there, like my like my heart like fell into my stomach because I was just like, they're gonna do it, and yeah. I'm gonna fucking hate it. Right? So. <laughs> That's that just that feels like one of those untouchable movies that you just you should leave it alone because everybody yeah. knows it, everybody loves it. It's still so highly quoted. It would just feel like I don't know. It would just feel like it was just wrong, one hundred percent wrong. Sometimes I understand when things are remade. But, like, The Princess Bride is not something that's ever kind of fallen out of the zeitgeist. Like, exactly. Like, we, we always talk about it. Right. So it's like, why? What's the point of it? Exactly. You're not introducing it to a new audience or a new generation because, because it holds up. we still talk about it. Yeah, it, it holds up. There's lots of anniversary pieces. Everyone in that movie is basically doing something else or, yeah, it's weird. It's so beloved. I, as honestly, like, I just think of it from a filmmaker's perspective, too. Like, why, why would you be so arrogant to think that you could improve on something Mm. that is so iconic and so integral to to people's lives? You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's like the height of hubris, man, to be like, I think I could do the scene where Wesley and the man, or no, not the man in black, Wesley and Inigo have their little chat while they're doing their sword fight. I could do that better, mm. you know? Like, no. that's just, no come way. on, man. Come on. You're delusional. Delusional. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I feel like, you know, I feel like it's a thing, too, of like, I don't know, does it make you feel like a little bit, um, like disheartened about like the state of like movies and where we're going that we have to make so many remakes all the time. Yeah. Like I, you know, I enjoyed some of the, like I know Disney's been like on a roll with these and I enjoyed some of the earlier ones. Like the Cinderella was cute and the jungle book was, I liked the jungle book, but I wasn't particularly, that wasn't a movie that I had watched a lot as a kid. I 
it was fine, but it wasn't in my like heavy rotation. But mm-hmm. I mean, Beauty and the Beast was just meh. And I, I admittedly, I did not see The Lion King or Aladdin because I was just like burnt out. I just, I don't see how. I mean, if the movie is still so good and so relevant, what's what's the point? You know what I mean? Exactly. And it's weird, too, because it's like, yeah, I don't care to go see a live action version of Lady and the Tramp. I'm no. sorry. Uh-huh. The dogs are cute. I But I could give a fuck. No. <laughs> and Disney is coming out. Like, there was one time, I remember when we were, I mean, we wouldn't have been like kids, kids, but we would have been like preteens or something. And things went into this mysterious Disney vault and yeah. you would never see them again. Right. You know? But it's like we have streaming. Yeah, right. we have streaming platforms now. Disney is about to have its own streaming platform right. where it can host all of the animated version of those like movies. Sure. And I know we're like picking on Disney a little bit here, but that's just like the easiest one because it's like. You don't have to remake everything. Right. You know, like you, if it's still there and it still holds up, don't get greedy. I feel like a lot of it is, you know, oh, we can make money off of this and it's already a property we have. We wouldn't have to do any original kind of like storytelling. We just have to remake this. Like it's the easiest way to make some money. And I wish some of these studios would just take a step back. Just, you know what I mean? Appreciate the artistry and maybe don't try to make it all about turning a profit. Yeah. And you that's know, crazy, I guess. No, but. I know. I know. Yay. Capitalism ruins art again. Mm. Well, and I saw, <laughs> <laughs> I saw a trailer for their remaking um, the secret garden as well, which like, <sighs> I don't know. Did you watch the 1993 one? Oh my God. Maggie uh, Smith. Almost every day yeah. for a year. <laughs> yeah. Like that was so, uh, it's so good. And it's still so perfect. And just like the way, the way that it unfolds the story and like this whole thing about grief and it's just it's so beautiful and the way mm. they shot it is so beautiful because it's all like a real garden. And I watched the trailer. It's coming out next year. And like it's got um, Colin Firth as Mr. Craven and it's got Julie Walters as Mrs. Medlock. And I feel like if anybody can follow in the tracks of Maggie Smith, it's Julie Walters because hello. Sure. Although I will always see her as Mrs. Weasley, so it'll be like hard for me to see her <laughs> as like evil. <laughs> but like I don't know. And it just like this the trailer, like it was charming, but like it it kind of took it looks like it's taking the idea of like the garden was magic because it was hers and because it was secret. And making it, oh, no, it's, like, literal magic. Everything is CGI and, like, there are trees moving independently and flowers sparkling. And it's just, like, it just, it's so much. And I don't understand why. I don't understand why it has to exist. And it kind of pains me because it's by the same people who made the Paddington movies, which I absolutely adore. Oh, I, love those. I know. But I just, I don't know. It just... <sighs> The 1993 one is pretty easy to find on DVD. Like, show your kids that. <laughs> it's still good. <laughs> Go with the OG, please, the original. Please. No, I feel like, and also, okay, if we're if we're really stuck on the remakes, because there are, like, if we're going to talk about, you know, uh, books and books that need to be made into TV shows or movies, there's a ton out there. There like, are so many. You don't have to keep reaching back in the same well. Right. Like, Find something else. Find another children's story that's just as whimsical. You know what I mean? Like, do something new. I it just... Ugh. And don't try and bait me 
with Colin Firth because I know. you know I'll go see it I know. if he's in it. Sad Colin Firth discovering the reason for living again. Hello, that is 100% God, my I'm jam. Already, I've already bought my <laughs> ticket and I fucking hate but I'm myself. I'm mad about it. I know. Although, to be fair, I will say I'm very much looking forward to the Little Women remake that's coming out. Ooh, so I know. I know. Co- Co- so hate critical. <laughs> What's wrong with us? <laughs> I don't know. Greta Gerwig's there. It's fine. But like. <sighs> I feel. But OK. So and here's the other thing is I feel like if you're making a remake, I know you didn't like Beauty and the Beast. It but was, I feel it like was there fine. was a new. Like, there was something new in it. Fair. There was. You know what I mean? Like Beauty and the Beast, the old is a little bit problematic. I know, but it's, it's still, still my favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> it's still problematic. The new one. But I feel like there was a little bit more in there and it came at a, a certain time that felt pretty relevant and you know so there was some value there and i feel like the same with little women like it's coming at a time where stories like this take on like more meaning because we're in a bigger conversation just socially yeah but it's like not every movie fits that bill i mean it's not for like me to decide i guess personally but like like there's an argument for making a little women remake right there is no argument for remaking the princess bride no leave it the fuck alone that's very true well and i think i think there are some stories that can be told and retold as long as it like matches the tone i think that's what bothered me so much about the secret garden trailer that i saw and honestly it's just a trailer maybe it'll be great but like i think the like Everything like these, the CGI and how it has to be bigger and more spectacle, mm. and it can't just be the simple beauty of an incredible English garden. So, I don't know. And so, I think with like why I'm okay with like the Little Women movie or you know, whatever Jane Austen movie they're gonna remake next, please, I will be there. Give me persuasion. 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 Yes. I just like, I have this dream that they'll remake God. Persuasion with Deb. Captain Wentworth. With, <laughs> ugh, my fave with Deb Patel as Captain Wentworth. Just like, give oh. me this movie. I know. I know. Casting. It would be amazing. But I just, I don't know. I just, unless it's bringing. A fuller, better vision. I don't see why it has to exist. You know, that's that's my mm-hmm. that's my whole thing. So, agreed. I think we're on the same page. Yes. I think it's not saying that all remakes are bad. It's just saying why we are don't you have to remake it? everything. Right. Yeah. At, really sit with yourself. Look yourself in the mirror, <laughs> Disney. Yeah. And ask why am I making a live action version of Lady and the Tramp? Right. What value was here? Right. <laughs> like. Who is this for? Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, well, we probably went a little long on that, but I think it's, you know. It deserves it. It deserves it. But <laughs> This is the discourse. <laughs> this is what our <laughs> listeners expect from us. Well, let's get into it. Episode seven of season one. And, you know, it kind of starts off. Looking not great for uh, Uhtred because, you know, Leofrich explains, like, why he did what he did. Like, young Otto was there. He was going to swear against him. He had 20 men to back him up. It was not going to end well for Uhtred either way. But this way, he believes that he can, you know, give him a warrior's death and be a true bro. Yeah, there was a a bit of an emotional moment yeah. between the two. Um, it was It's sweet because it's... It's so clearly uncomfortable for <laughs> yeah. both of them. Oh, so they have to make jokes tomorrow. about like no, I'm humping kill their you. wives and yeah, like cutting each other's balls <laughs> off to like r- alleviate the tension because they're just not used to getting that deep with each other. But you can tell. I mean, it clearly 
it bothers Leofrish so much that he goes and seeks out this guy that he's, you know, going to fight to the death tomorrow to, like, make sure he knows, like, why he did what he did. And the same for Uhtred. He could have let him just walk away and, you know, shout it to his ult for, like, you know, telling him, if you've got something to say, you need to say it now because you're probably going to die tomorrow, right. dude. Get over your and emotional constipation and talk it. to each and other. Talk to him. Yeah, exactly. Leofrich. Leofrich. This isn't a fight I want. I've been allowed my freedom tonight, and if I could slip away, I would, but I cannot do that. Reputation is all. I know it. I have feuds to settle, promises to keep. I must live. Then you must kill me. And you, me. I intend to. Yeah, and I really liked it. I really appreciated it, because I don't think, especially, you know, we're talking about a medieval show about Vikings Mm. and death and all this shit, and it's very Mm male-centric. And I don't think you get to see that a lot, like that male bond together where they're actually willing to, Be vulnerable. you know, talk about yeah. their feelings. Yeah, I think yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Look how woke <laughs> The Last Kingdom is, y'all. I love it. Getting it. Um, you know, I do want to talk about how much time do you think has passed since he met Isolde? Because here's... <laughs> Yeah. Well, because here's the thing, like, so baby Edward is very ill and like dying and Alfred basically gives Uhtred an out, you know, he's like, I don't want my two best fighters, you know, killing each other. So resume your debt and abandon your new queen and there's no fight. Like she's basically, you know, you stole her. So she's contraband. So she has to go back to where she came from. But you don't have to kill your friend if you do it. And Uhtred's like, nope, not not doing that. Not going to do that. And which, like, I get it. Like, he's protecting Isolde. But, like, he's protecting her at the expense of, like, Leofridge possibly dying. He's planning on. He would rather kill Leofridge, who's been his, like, then lose yeah. Isolde. And I'm just like, I mean, I guess there's some honor in that. But also, like, man, bros before hoes. You guys have been friends for a long time. Yeah, it's weird. I just, I, I would not be able to make a decision like that so cavalierly. It's weird. I don't know how much time has passed. I mean, I would guess, like, maybe a few weeks. Right. But, like, he and really Leofridge have been, like, Oh, years. years. Like a I mean, long it's been time. at least like a year and a half, yeah. right? At like, least, yeah, a couple years. I don't know. I think it, and it also like goes back to, I thought about this a lot, this episode with the way he interacts with Isol, yeah. because like he seems to grow very attached to very quickly. very quickly. Very quickly. It's really interesting because like he never had that mother figure when he was a Ugh. kid. Um, And then, I, yeah, I mean, you don't know growing up, but I, I assume that Ragnar's wife was motherly towards him. Yeah. She seemed that way. And then he grew up with like two sisters mm-hmm. and Brita was his closest like friend. It didn't seem like there are many boys his age right. around at that time, except for ones that he was like protecting his sisters from. So, yeah, I just feel like maybe the way he grew up, in, you know, in the, the family that he grew up in, that's why he attaches himself to women so quickly but, but it's been seven I, I don't get I it mean, with this there's been seven episodes and he has been like willing to die for like three different women maybe Utrecht right. needs to like chill just just a little bit like <laughs> ease up on the tinder dating right. apps maybe take times. a break and get to know yourself alone Utrecht, because i think you could benefit love yourself first <laughs> that's what all the books right. say right um yeah it, it's weird it's also weird to me talking about that little amount of time one i had a problem with like 
Okay, so Alfred wants him to take back his debt, and he's like, sure, whatever, I'll do it, because I don't want to kill my friend. But he's not, like, willing to let Isolt go. But where, like, is Isolt going? I mean, who wants her back at this point? Like, she's... Well, she doesn't belong to anyone anymore. I know. Is he? Does he just want to like send her like on a walkabout to Cornwallum? I think he was basically talking about sending her back to Cornwallum. But like at the same time, who's left there? You know, like right. back at that castle where they got her. Like the king is gone. Like everybody who wanted to hurt her or would want to hurt her is either dead or there's that priest Asser who's back with Alfred. Right. So like. But also, it, but it also, she felt like I just want to take something away from Uhtred. Though. Sure, that's kind of Alfred's mo. Like he's like, yes, <laughs> do this thing for me. I will sort of help you, but also, it's gonna cost you, buddy. So, I don't know. Honestly, like, why didn't she just like, yep, I'll go back to Cornwallum and then just like go back to like where her family is if she has? I guess, I guess we don't we don't know her background. You know, like we don't know where she came from. Yeah. We don't know her history. I think Uter being like, she'll die if she leaves my side is a little overdramatic. A little dramatic. Right. Yeah. Classic Uhtred. <laughs> yeah. Too big of an ego there. It's weird to me, though. Like, OK, so so we see Uhtred like refuse to give Azult up. And then we see them. We see Azult like basically saying she wants to like give it up to Uhtred. Before Utrecht, he dies. Sad uh, news. Yeah. Yeah. Sad news. Like she'll lose her gift. So my whole thing theory about oh this was just her way to like she you know really, pull no, one over she on the really men. believes that no like she really believes uh, this so that yeah. sucks but it's like uh, i that whole moment where they're like in their fur bed talking <laughs> about that and i was just the whole time i'm just like girl i would not give up my visions, right. visions. which are basically like a form of Magic. like currency for a woman at that time that's a bit of power that you wouldn't normally right. have you know like i wouldn't give that up for like a quick no, hump with no Uhtred. dick is worth it no dick but especially that <laughs> one because it's like we've seen we've seen how brita feels about it at least and it didn't seem like something to write home about oh that's so, right because she had like all of her ideas but not in like an inspiration way and in i'm thinking about something <laughs> else because this is so lackluster kind of way Exactly. Right. So it's like not worth it. Maybe Azult should like look a bit into the future and see what sex with Uhtred would be like, <laughs> and then warn her. He doesn't seem particularly <laughs> attentive. I think it would not be worth it. But she doesn't get yeah. a chance to find out because he's gonna go fight at Leofrich, and it's a pretty good fight. Like they're, you know, mm. they don't want to kill each other, but they also don't want to get killed or look like they aren't trying. So it's like a real like knock them out, drag them out fight. But luckily. They get interrupted before they get to finish with the death. What a what coincidence. A coincidence. <laughs> but before we talk about the Danes, I do want to talk about how, like, Alfred can't bear to watch one of them die. So he pieces out God. and he's like, all right, Aleswith, come with me. She, like, she wanted to stay. She wanted to stay and she wanted to watch Uhtred die hard. And I oh, just yeah. I think that says a lot about Aleswith. It also says a lot about Alfred. Yeah. That he cannot stomach. Right. The, I mean, he can't stomach meat, but he also can't stomach the idea of like watching two men fight and be kill more each like, other, even though he's ordered that death. Be more like Ned Stark. Be the the one who passes the sentence, swings the sword, sentence. man. Thank you, uh, God. Yes. yes. Like honestly, I really sometimes wonder if there's like any balls under mm. that tunic that he wears because he's just such a he's so spineless yeah, sometimes. sometimes. It's really, like it's a lot. 
that was that was such a pathetic move. And you could tell, like with Ailsworth, she was like, what the fuck is wrong with you, right. dude? Like, follow through. I mean, she was going to enjoy yeah. it. So maybe that's not like the role model to have, but at least she was going to like stand there right. and watch. See it through. And I also want to talk about, speaking of like Alfred making a mistake, the Danes just like waltz into the castle and like take Wessex Eesh. without a fight. Like, I get it. They've been fighting a lot. So they're like trying to, you know, rest up. But I feel like you need to have spies out. You need to have people at the very least watching the gates of your castle so that an entire army of marauding Danes can't just like ride in with absolutely nothing stopping them. That is, I am not, you know, a castle planner, but I feel like I could do a better <laughs> job by having I one guard, medieval battle a single guard, somebody. It's a little perplexing to me. Uh, I understand, like, there's, like, some kind of, like, religious feast that they're celebrating. Like, there's one every fucking day at this place. <laughs> right. But why, why is Guthrum still around? Right. Like, so Uhtred killed Ubba. He did the hard right. work. That was the worst of the two battles. Like, at least that's the way they anticipated yeah. it. So why didn't Alfred just finish like, the job use that to? Yeah, finish the job. Morale was low. You could have easily taken out Guthrum and his men, especially when Leofric and the rest of them come back to join right. you. Like, I don't understand what the thinking was. Like, did he just take up his axe and be like, Hell we're yeah, done. We won. Going back to Wessex. I think they like, just assumed that because, you know, the army wasn't at its you know, peak anymore that they would kind of just go away, which is silly because that's mm-hmm. not what the Danes have done at all before now. Yeah. Like they'll wait it out. Like, sure, half their ships are gone, but the other half is not. Like, there's still a pretty formidable group of them. So it was just it was poor planning all around and everybody pays the price. Yeah. I mean, this is what they live for. Like, of course they're gonna stick around. And Guthrum especially at this point, he's had so many meetings with Alfred and with, you know, people that speak for Alfred, it's it's a clearly is never a personal right. thing. Well, he goes in and he's yeah. like in the castle and he's like looking for Alfred specifically. Oh, yeah. And of course, he oh, finds yeah. Athelwald instead, who is such a shit. And yeah. he's like, oh, uh, well, you know, I'm the real king, so I'll help you. And, you know, they keep him alive. But you really should know that Athelwald doesn't have any power at this point. He has nothing to offer them of value. Yeah, I think... I think Guthrum knows that. I mean, he snatches that crown off his head real quick. At the end of the day, there's one thing that Athelwald is always good for, and that's like a bargaining chip, because you can pass him off, and he's got some kind of value to someone somewhere at some point. Like, he makes sure of it. So I I understand, like, why he didn't just, like, outright kill him, because he doesn't know that Alfred fucking hates that dude. And He's not a bargaining chip. He think that... (laughs) Right. He he doesn't right. know that. So so I understood why, like, he didn't kill him, uh, even though I was, like, really, just really wanting him to snatch that crown and then whack that head off with a yeah. sword. <laughs> We've got Uhtred and Isolde and Leofrich kind of work together as a team to get out of the city. And along the way, they find one of my personal favorite characters, Hild! Hild is here! And while her intro is super rough... Oh, it's so it's, sad. I forgot how bad it's awful. it was. Like, I will say, I do appreciate the fact that this show doesn't have as much sexual assault as it could. Like, there 
Oh, it, it could have it a could lot more because just because of the time period. And although I say because of the time period, but it's not, you know, it's not like this is a thing of the past. Right. You know, there's this really brutal rape scene of Hild and, you know, I'm a little sorry I said anything against Isolt because she like leads the charge to save her and it's great. But, you know, Hild, she's the best. I'm glad she's found the group. Yeah, I loved that Isolt just like jumped down from the fucking yeah, rafters the and stabbed that Stab man him. and then gave Hild the opportunity to keep stabbing his already dead mm-hmm. body. It was very, I it was a I cathartic totally moment. forgot about that whole yeah. moment. And it was so powerful. And it was so meaningful because Leofrich and Uhtred were just going to let it yeah. happen and just sit up there and do nothing. And you could tell that it just so, like, bothered his old that she was like, I, I can't, like, not help this right. woman. I don't know. I think it says something about, you know, the fact that. Even though Isolt and Hild are like very different women with very different beliefs, like there's a there's a, a bond of like sisterhood. Yeah. yeah, like if you if if these women would just look out for each other in that way all the time, I think things would be a little bit different and hopefully yeah. better. But so we see a little bit of that this episode, and I like their little kind of friendship. Yeah. Like it's a it's a tense one, obviously, because sure. they don't have anything in right. common but hild like goes to bat for her a bit once we get you know to the swamplands which is where utrid and leofrich they're kind of hiding out they're trying to escape wessex well they do they escape when they escape boat. i was a little sad when like he runs into brita again and oh, she's gosh. like the one to tell him how to go and like how they'll escape tell ragnar i'm still his brother i'll tell him you were here and that you left you know, I feel like they keep they keep trying to keep this like relationship alive, even though they're on opposite sides of the of the war. And it just it comes a point where they really have to make a choice. And I feel like, you know, she let him go this one time. But Brita's like she's made her choice. And it's it's not to keep giving Uhtred reason after reason to stay with the Saxons and sort of abandon his Danish family. And she's over it. You can really tell in this scene that she's super over it. Yeah, I mean, that whole playing both sides is wearing really thin because it's, like, it ends up being Brita's burden, like, no matter what. Like, it's on her to, you know, like, make sure that Uhtred is safe if the Danes invade. Or, you know what I mean? It just feels like... He's playing both sides. She's always bailing him out. And he's just, yeah, he's just... Letting her do it. Carrying along. and Yeah, exactly. So... There was, like, there's a moment where Leo Fridge, like, talks about, like, she seems angry. And I'm like, she's not angry, dude. She's just right. done. Like, she's just tired. And I think it's it's really important that Uhtred, like, kind of finally realizes that this episode. I mean, he has a moment of kind of reflection. And Isolt says it, too, where it's like, she doesn't love you in that way anymore. So she's not going to bend over backwards to protect you. Like, she has someone else. She has a new kind of family and a new way of life and you constantly you know riding the fence or whatever is threatening that at this point i feel like a lot of women in this episode are giving utred reality checks and i'm really mm. here for it because when they're sitting around the campfire and hild's like hey where's your wife like <laughs> <laughs> hey remember hey, that girl remember? you married and right. had a child with right. i know her and she's nice so what yeah, are we you doing together so what's <laughs> happening yeah yeah and i feel like 
I feel like Uhtred isn't necessarily absorbing these lessons that they're trying to give him, but they're going to keep giving him anyway because he needs a lot of help. A lot of help. Well, here's another thing about Uhtred, okay? He's quick to to love and to attach himself but he also to a woman, but he's quick to, very quick yep, to, <laughs> to end it, to cut, cut the cord. String. Yep. Yeah, it's like, I mean, he, he still cares for Brita. I'm not saying he doesn't. You sure. can tell he does. And I think he probably still cares for Mildred in a way that's like that's the mother of my child I don't want to see harm come to her yeah but he he is really he's got this ability to detach himself right in a way that's like it's really interesting because I, I like I wouldn't be able to do even with Brita just like a few episodes ago leaving her in the woods and like letting her go yeah and knowing that that could be it you might never see her again that's your I mean You've been together, like, romantically, but that's... You grew up with this person. That's your sister. Like, that's your family. best friend, yeah. Yeah, it's just... It's a bit strange, but, I mean, maybe that's, like, the life back then, you know? Like... So much of living back then is just self-preservation, and I think you have to just kind of pick it up. You can't be sentimental. Yeah, there's no room for sentimentality, but, like... To us, where there's so much room for sentimentality just because of Instagram. <laughs> so soft. We're like, oh, Instagram so soft. Made us so, soft. <laughs> so, like, it's just, I think, I think it, you just, you do what you have to do to survive back then. And it's hard to sort of wrap our ultra connected 21st century brains around that. And this much I know if I am to fight, it would have to be a single battle and soon before yet more Danes arrive. Before Wessex crumbles, skirmish by skirmish, raid by raid, piece by piece, therefore, the first task would be to somehow convince the Danes to hold one great and deciding moment. A single defining battle. Yes. They find Alfred in the marshlands. He's kind of king of nothing right now and is having a mm-hmm. hard time, TM, grasping that. And I like, though, that Uhtred is, like, asking him the real questions right away. Like, he's not going to coddle Alfred just because he was the king. He's like, how did this happen? Like, I get it. Your son is sick, but how did this happen? And I like the moment after their, like, initial confrontation where they're it's where they're sort of just, like, talking down by the water. And they're really just talking to each other as men. Like, it's not a king and his vassal. It's just two men talking it out and trying to figure out what the fuck they're going to do. And they come up with this idea to have, like, this single defining battle to, like, instead of having all these, like, you know, split up fights where one army takes on one, you know, Danish lord and another one takes on another, they're just going to attack them all and hit it hard in one defining battle. And while I'm not sure that's a great idea, I respect it because at least it's like they're doing something, you know, like after. Look, yeah, shoot your shot. Yeah, because you keep fighting these little skirmishes, and sure, you win some of them, but you're a little weaker after every single one. So you really just need to end it for good. I love when, it, like, characters are are forced into different settings and, like, taken out of the roles that we have, you know, become acquainted with when it comes to, like, their power and their station. And when they're kind of thrust into a whole new realm and you get to really see the meat of who someone is. That's what's interesting to me. And I think we see that with Alfred and we see how that affects his relationship with Uhtred. So when it's just Alfred and Uhtred just kind of shooting the shit in the marshes, they're talking about battle plans. They're talking about what they need to do. They're being real with each other. 
without all of these titles and all of these expectations, uh, kind of constraints. Yeah, all these expectations on one another um, and from outside, like they work pretty damn I know, well that's, together. That, like, you see, that's what breaks my heart about this relationship is if they would just meet somewhere in the middle, they work so well as a team. You know, like Alfred's got, you know, he's like as much as we give Alfred a hard time, like he's not a bad ruler. Like he's got a mind for the stuff. He's got a mind for leadership because, I mean, Uhtred wouldn't follow him for nothing. You know what I mean? Like Uhtred clearly sees Alfred's value. But if Uhtred would get over his pride for two seconds and if Alfred would get over his different sort of pride for two seconds, they just they could do great things together. But there's always that power struggle and it never I don't know it just never goes away except for in these quiet moments where they can just be men together planning what they're gonna do and I love moments like that but then you see them they're so fleeting you know it's an effective circumstance so this is not gonna hold this kind of tentative peace and and this working together I think they are putting aside their own wants and and their own differences to get a singular kind of job mm-hmm. done but then the hard part is the hard part is never like the battle it's what comes after and so i i like the lead up to battle because it means that people like put aside their shit and like work together um it doesn't like change the core of who they are which is always going to be at odds with each other and it's not made any better by outside influences that end up coming in the end but i think before we get to that we have to talk about our little sick baby I edward i know oh such a colicky little I baby know. i know it's <laughs> the, the baby, baby. Is <laughs> more was the whole time i was watching i was just like the oh, baby. No, the baby what's wrong with it what did you do <laughs> I'm going to have a hard time, like, just to, like, sidetrack. Although part of me wants it to go to Phoebe Waller-Bridge because it's her last shot to win for Fleabag, which I'm obsessed with. And Catherine O'Hara's got another season. But also Moira Rose is, like, my favorite character on television in a long time. So I just want her to get recognized. Anyway, side note, Bebe. Um, Yeah. So, and, (laughs) you know, it's interesting. Like, you kind of start to see what becomes a pattern with Alfred is, like, Isolts is there and she's like, I can help you with this baby. Like, see, I've made you these tonics of herbs and you feel better with your stomach. You can actually eat meat and I can save your son. And he's like, uh, but you're a pagan. Uh. And like Aleswith mm. is very much she's a pagan. Get her away from my kid. But Alfred, like for all his talk of Ugh, these pagans, we must convert them or kill them or whatever. He also is willing to like take the power that she's offering to him and use it for his own purposes while also completely decrying their religion at the same time. You know what I mean? And that is a real pattern with Alfred. And it's frustrating every time. This kind of blood magic, though, we see, we don't see the effects in this episode. But again, to call upon Game of Thrones, if anybody watched season one and Daenerys calling on that witch to do the blood magic to save Khal Drogo. And everybody knows it does not go well. A life for a life is a big deal. If this child is to live, then another somewhere must die. I will be taking a life. A stranger and innocent. Isolt, this must be done. The thing here is, like, you can't argue with, like, hard evidence and facts. So the fact is, like... 
Azolt is a pretty damn good healer, and she's been making this tonic that's been helping um, Alfred. He can eat meat again. Like, it's a fucking miracle. <laughs> um, and all these priests have been, like, just sitting and praying over this baby and not really doing anything physically right. to help. And it's not saying that prayers are worthless, but... There has to be an action that goes along, right? Right, exactly. We can, like, look at it and be like, okay, well, it's both. Like, it's believing that someone will get better and then actually doing things to help that along, you know, like it's positivity and that kind of mindfulness plus action. I think back then they weren't as open minded or as accepting. It's so fucking interesting to me that out of everyone on the show in this episode, it's Uhtred who really gets that. Who's like, yeah, like you can believe in your God and maybe your God did this through this pagan like Maybe we're all connected. Maybe everything is together and means something and everyone is like a vessel. And you know what I mean? It's just it's so hilarious to me that of everyone out of Alfred, out of Bioka, out of these scholarly, very smart people. It is our boy Uhtred that has the like most profound thing to say. At That's the true. But at the same time, I'm really a little bit frustrated with Uhtred. Like, I get it. Like, it's the only way. But Isolde, in saving Edward, she's also taking a life. Ugh. And she takes that very yeah. seriously. And he's like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't do it. But he's not the one who's taking on the guilt of killing some stranger's kid. You know what I mean? And it's, it's going to be a baby. She knows. It's an equivalent. It'll be somebody's baby. And she takes that so seriously. And he's like, you know what? Don't worry about it. It's fine. You won't know them. It's fine. It's no big deal. And so part of me, like, I get it. Like, I like that he's supportive and believes in, like, what she can do. But also take it a little bit more seriously because it's it's not just, you know, you're not just saving the baby or killing another one. Yeah. We're not just, like, taking the baby out to the swamp, giving it a mud right. bath. But like, I kind of wish... I kind of wish we had seen more of the ritual. Like, we don't see anything. But, like, they show up and, like, everybody's covered in mud and, like, hanging out in this pit. And I'm like, I want to know what 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 happened happened here. here? (laughs) But I want to, so just so, like, for, you know, uh, research purposes. (laughs) So maybe I can reenact this one day. I don't know. Yeah, you never know. No, I love witches. I know. So anytime we get to see more of it, I'm just like, yes. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, like Uh, all the priests that they sent out to let everybody know that Alfred was still alive and kind of rally people back to the cause. Like they show up, see the living baby and they're like, oh, my God, God did this. We did did this. (laughs) Everybody was praying and we did it. And I'm like, oh, God. So. So, yeah, they like now that Edward is fine, Alfred's like, all right, hell yeah, let's do this. And they have this idea to sort of draw the Danes in. And I really liked that scene where they're like attacking the kind of fringe ones in the marshland and then picking them Mm -hmm. off with arrows because I love I always love seeing like archers especially because like it's so foundational to like traditional British military strategy like the longbow becomes like why they took over so much of what they did in the middle ages and so seeing the foundation of that was kind of like you know making my nerdy heart proud it's the, it's the medieval sniper rifle. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. No, yeah. I, I love to see a good bow and arrow scene. I know. Uh, so good. Scene. They, yeah, they picked him off like fish in a barrel. It was great. So, yeah, they're like, they're going to have this battle. They're going to end it with Guthrum. And I'm like, so ready for it. Burn those ships. Mm. Do it. Yeah, Guthrum. He needs to go. He needs to go. He needs to go. I, you know what? I like a man that, that is interested in scrolls and wants to read. That's okay? true. I do like that. That's true. But, 
I just don't like this man. Nope. <laughs> so, <laughs> he needs to go. Yeah. The 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 whole vibe is right. Just get rid of this one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's a uh, but he's smart. I mean, he out of like all of the Danes, he's had so much interaction with uh, the Saxons and with Alfred and he knows what they value and he sees value in it. Like there he doesn't care sure. about God necessarily, but he's Tactically, he knows that he Alfred yeah, he knows Alfred's smart and he's planning ahead and what he's doing by writing all of this down, what that's going to mean. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you've got to respect at least a little bit Guthrum's kind of sense of what could be. And he has a plan as well. It's just a little bit more brutal and bloody than Alfred's, I guess. Right. But I think he's the only I think he's the only one that takes Alfred seriously as a threat, though. Mm-hmm. Abba certainly yeah. never did. So, right. He's he's more willing to accept that even though Alfred is just like the, the skinny little, you know, gruel eating thing, like he could still <laughs> like take him down. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's what makes like this upcoming battle so exciting because I don't think either side underestimates the the other anymore. And yeah. so it's going to be like balls to the wall. Like we're going to be just slaying the shit out of each other because it this has to end it like this has to be it. Otherwise... It's going to go on and on forever, and no one wants that, so. Right. A new horizon, Lord. A beacon of hope. You're right, Bilka. God works in the strangest of ways. Not only to himself. You know I love when a show ends its season. It's always intense. Battle. Yes, it's the best. <laughs> it is the best. Don't end it like fucking Game of Thrones. Uh, just <laughs> end kind it of... at episode three of season eight. <laughs> oh, that's... I think we can all agree. Man, that was such a good episode. And then everything that after followed after it was so bad. You had me till episode three, okay? Right. And then you lost it. It just ends with Brienne being knighted and that's it. It's fine. Brienne gets knighted. Arya gets to kill the Night King. Right. We are. She hooks up with Gendry, uh, and then yep. we're just left to assume. We're left to assume. That's right. fine. That's <laughs> it. It's fine. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is time for our next episode wishes. This is when we issue our demands for upcoming episodes, like the spoiled toddlers that we are. Here's what we want to see, when we want to see it, and why we won't be denied. Alyssa, 
What are you hoping for next episode? Well, we kind of already started talking about it. I'm like, I'm so <laughs> sad. Yes. I'm ready for some bloodshed. I'm so stoked for this final battle. Like, there hasn't been a major brawl on screen for a few episodes. Like, everything that went down with Ed Kiernowit is different. Like, it's been a while. It's time for another big fight. So I'm ready for the shield walls. I'm ready for the maneuvering. Even if they decide to use a hill again, like, I'm all, I'm down <laughs> for it. You know they're going to use that you hill, You know girl. they're going to use that hill. <laughs> Um, he loves a good hill. <laughs> but also, I'm ready for some payoff because they keep talking about how they're going to bring the fight to Kjartan and, like, get revenge for what he did to Ragnar and, like, taking Tira and killing their mother and, like, burning down the barn. Like, they need to actually do it. And we haven't seen him since that first episode. But every time that Brita and Uhtred are together and every time that Ragnar and Uhtred are together, they're like, all right, let's do it. We're going to do it eventually. Kjartan. Kjartan this Kjartan. time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So <laughs> one day, right? It's I'm just I'm ready for the Ragnarsons to get their revenge. I think you're right. We haven't seen a big, like a really big scale battle. I think what happened with Ubba was really that kind of one on one with Uhtred, and that was awesome and that was great. But I want to see like I just want to see wide shots of guys on horses just beating the shit out of each other. Hell and yeah! I think <laughs> what's going to be really interesting um, is like. Where Brita and Ragnar end up in terms of, like, their relation to Uhtred and all of this. Because right now, they're aligned with Guthrum. And you have to assume that they're going to be, you know, on that battlefield right beside him when the time comes. Right. And Uhtred is going to be sitting by Alfred and, and leading his men. So it's like, after that kind of confrontation with Brita and how that all ended... She's not going to just really... let him off this time. She's not. Yeah. yeah. I don't think we're just going to... Play that whole, oh, I'm just going to avoid you on the battlefield. Like, I see you, but, like, I'm not going to come at you, okay? Like, I don't know if that's going to happen. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. So The Last Kingdom has a massive cast of interesting characters, and nearly everyone gets their time to shine. Our Arsling of the Week is the character who truly goes above and beyond to win the war or simply win our hearts. Jessica, who was your Arsling in this episode? Um, I had a couple. I think Isolt was amazing, but I voted for her last She's, time, yeah. so I'm going to let you talk her up this mm. time. Um, so, yep. <laughs> so instead, uh, mine's going to be Hild. Uh, she, oh, I love her so oh, much. She is amazing. She becomes such a core part of the show um, as time goes mm-hmm. on. Right now, I mean, the haircut's not really doing it for her. Um, She's... Mm. She's been raped. She's been through it this episode. She gets spirited away to the swamplands. Like, she's got to keep the peace between Aylesworth and Isolt while this colicky baby just cries all night. It's It's been a tough time. Everybody's yeah, tense. everyone's tense. Yeah. But what I really appreciate about Hild is, like, so she is, she is obviously very religious. She's a nun. But she still has, like, I don't know. I, I feel like she still has, like, the presence of mind and the... The ability to kind of like see clearly even past her belief and to see, okay, you know, this woman is a pagan. She doesn't believe what I believe, but she saved my life. Like, she's a good person. Like, I think she's able to see past some of the things that others of her ilk cannot see. Hint, hint, Father Bioka, like, wise the fuck Uh. up. Um, But yeah, (laughs) I love Hild. And I think that kind of that rationale, like, she's just she'll just give it to you straight. And I think we see a little bit this episode. And it just has me really mm-hmm. excited for season two. I know. I know. Hilt season two. Oh. It's like peak Hilt. Yes. It's so good. 
I this week I really or this episode. You know, we really should just like change it from our sling of the week <laughs> the to our episode. sling of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> because we are really anyway, we're binging it yeah <laughs> this season right so i i had to go with the zolt you're right like i had a little bit of a harder time with her last episode sure. but she really grew on me with this one because you know alfred and especially aleswith are just so rude to her even though she's trying to help them and she's trying to help them save their son and even though, you know, they're so dismissive and unkind, she still takes a risk and helps mm-hmm. them, you a know, and risk. that that a huge risk and takes on a huge burden to save their kid. And that I just it's really beautiful to me how, you know, willing she is to help people. And I also really loved the part where Alfred lets the bread burn uh, and she's literally like, you had one job. One job, dude. Like, come on. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, she, she never really saw him as, like, super kingly. So she's only ever seen him where he's just a dude in the marshlands. And I like that she doesn't hold back the sass when other people would. I, you know, someone has to knock him down. Oh, my God. Too, I so. think the first like real sentence she speaks to him is like uh is about the tonic and you had one job my I lord know, I think it's before that she talks about <laughs> oh, you're um, right you're bleeding herbs. from your arse yeah. yes <laughs> in front of yeah. everyone right. everyone <laughs> like oh, awkward girl, i love it like yeah, yeah, yeah. she's a boss she's keeping she's it a real boss this episode yeah. for sure Okay, guys, get ready to shame none the worst character of the episode with us. It doesn't matter if you're a Saxon or a Dane, anyone can be a turd, and we're calling out the biggest one of the episode. Alyssa, who was your turd this week? Okay, normally I would say Aleswith because she was super cruel to sure. everybody. She was, like, re- like excited for Uhtred to die. She's so dismissive of Isolde, but she's also dealing with the potential death of her child, so I'm going to give her a pass this time. Right. So I'm even though he was only on screen for a little while, he like made an impression while he was there. (laughs) So I'm going to go with Father Bioka because when he showed up after the fact, like Edward is healed and he starts screaming about God and how their prayers did this. And it's because of them. I'm like, sir, it's not. It's because Zolt risked it all to save this kid. And I just, I'm so, there's that scene down by the river when he's like screaming about how they all prayed. I'm like, dude, read the room and sit down. Like, yes, it's great that this kid has been saved, but like, at what cost? And and it wasn't a cost to you. So Yeah, he's so I, extra, so uh, extra this episode. And he's over here shouting about, we did it. And Azolt is like crying her eyes out in the fucking mud. Just like, right. Take a step back. Right. Yeah, exactly. I don't get it. So, yeah, he's um, my turd. I get it. That I totally agree. I mean, Aylesworth would have been mine, too, because she is so tiring this episode. But, I mean, you're living in a swamp. Your baby's got the croup. Like, it's a hard life, and I get it. So I'm going to give her a break as well. And I think I'm going to hate a little bit on Alfred, <laughs> as I normally do, only because I feel like as much as I liked seeing him kind of stripped down this this episode and kind of robbed of his, like, kingliness, he doesn't adapt very well. Like, he, no. he really struggles. And I think the entire episode, even though he eventually kind of, like, comes around to, you know, taking Uhtred's advice and, and looking at things, like, kind of straight on in a hard way and not relying on religion or his, like, his role, his royalty to kind of bail him out of things. 
he's just constantly like either Uhtred is telling him what to do and he's doing it. Either like Azult is like giving him a tonic so he can fucking eat meat again. Or he's like arguing a little bit with Aylesworth before he like hands over baby Edward um, for this ritual. Like it's just he's constantly just like accepting help. Very and, like, passive. The, yeah. In the most ungrateful of ways. Mm. And like acting like all these people trying to help him is just such a burden on him to like accept the help. You know what I mean? It's yeah, it's really frustrating. <laughs> so uh, Alfred is my turd of the week. It's pretty pathetic. An Alfred with no crown. Now, this is clearly a very serious podcast about a very serious show, but sometimes it's nice to indulge in a little thirst. It's 2019, the world is on fire, and honestly, we deserve this. <laughs> so this is our time to celebrate the thirstiest moments that really blew our skirts up this episode. Jessica, do you have anything you want to talk about? The skirts stayed down for the most part this episode. <laughs> um, yeah. There's a lot of crying babies and mud and mm. rape so <laughs> not anything oh, really too sexy rough, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah I will say there is a moment uh, right when the episode it's like right at the beginning of the episode when Brita um, she rides from town she goes to the woods to like alert the Danes like yeah it's totally cool to invade and Ragnar gives her this look that I can only like describe as like not safe for work like it's very <laughs> I didn't realize that like pillaging and raiding was like so erotic <laughs> But it is. Yeah, that's like foreplay for them. Yeah, especially uh, yeah, with 100%. Ragnar. Like, I would I would totally raid any village he wants me to. <laughs> so I get it, Rita. Yeah, you're right. It was uh, not our sexiest episode. <laughs> um, but there is, there's one shot I'd like to point out when Alfred, when they first find Alfred in the marshes and he's like hiding down by the river and Uhtred like goes to have his chat with him and he's, you know, kind of backlit by the kind of, uh, it's it's not quite a sunset, but the sun is starting to wane a little bit and he's, his armor is off, but he's got his sword and it's just kind of like casually cocked over his shoulder and he's you know, backlit and walking down through the reeds. And it's like, all right, he looks like the cover of a romance novel right now. And I'm super <laughs> into it. And that's really all I got. Like, it was a great episode, but definitely one of the the Least. less thirst inducing. Yeah. 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 That we've had. There was no thirst quench, but that was that was a good. It's a beautiful little, shot. Little shot. Beautiful that was shot. definitely Instagram worthy. Too bad they didn't have oh, Instagram 100%. back then. Um, Utrecht is my man crush Monday. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that we've never been accused of being unenthusiastic in our fandom. We annoy our friends, our family, and now you, our devoted listeners. Uh, Welcome to Geek Out, where we will offer up our humble suggestions of what we think you should be watching and reading. So, Alyssa, what are you geeking out about this week? Well, I just mentioned romance novels, and I actually want to talk about <laughs> um, a podcast that I found recently that I really, really love. It's called Heaving Bosoms. <laughs> and oh, my God. I love that. It's amazing. I love the it's, word bosoms. <laughs> I know. It's so underrated. It's basically these two friends, Melody and Aaron, and they read and break down different romance novels. And Ooh. sometimes they're like positive reviews. Sometimes they're not. But it's always they're so hysterically fun. Funny, but at, not at the expense of like being smart. You know, they they deconstruct the tropes and they you know talk about you know the emotional implications and all this stuff. And it's just it's so good and so insightful while also being absolutely filthy and hilarious. Everybody go listen to it. I know I probably shouldn't be plugging another podcast on our podcast, but they're very no. different. 
they make time women for all. support women. <laughs> exactly. So yes, Heaving Bosoms, go listen to it if you like romance novels. And if you don't, it could probably turn you into a fan of them. Okay, question. Is yes. It- is it just historical romance no, novels or no, is it no. any kind of? There's some okay, historical okay, okay. romance novels, but like they did The Kiss Quotient and The Hating Game and all like the big ones that people are talking about. So, yeah, no, it's they do some historical ones, but a lot of contemporary ones, too. OK, because, you know, I love a good urban fantasy romance novel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any kind of like Buffy the Vampire shit where Ugh. she like hooks up with vampires while she's slaying vampires or something. God, That's I totally love, my jam. I love that show so much. <laughs> yeah, don't best you ever. ever fucking remake that show. <laughs> oh my god, I will. Anyway, I can't even. T- I can't even talk <laughs> don't about even, that. Let's not even speak it into existence. Exactly. Um. So what is okay, your but- <laughs> what is yours this week? <laughs> Speaking of fucking remake, I'm sorry. I am like the world's biggest hypocrite this episode. I um, know. Me too. <sighs> okay. So, uh, his mark. Dark Materials uh, is such such a good uh, book series. Please go read it. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's been made into a movie. Movie was not that great. It was not Uh, good. It wasted a great cast. Even though it had Nicole Kidman and Daniel Craig and Eva Green. And Sam Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. He was the aeronaut. Yeah. He was a cowboy aeronaut and it was still a bad movie. Yeah. So uh, anyway. It uh, is coming out on HBO. They're making a, a show. Uh, the trailer is about incredible. Basically, oh yeah, the trailer's incredible. Go watch. It's it's basically it's like kind of redoing that first movie. Plus a little bit, I think, of into the, like, second the prequel one material and then going oh, into the second. I, you so know, like, I never read the prequel. Yeah, I think we're just going to get like more backstory than we did with the movie. Like If you yeah, remember yeah. the movie, they kind of just thrust you into it. So right. I think that'll be good because there's a lot of... There's a lot to digest, but like I in the best re- possible way. I gotta reread the book like soon. We do. I think yeah. we should reread and then we'll like recap. Um, yeah, sounds great. <laughs> sounds great. I, lo- I love that we're pl- already planning. Yeah, like next we don't project. have enough to fucking do, Alyssa. Right. But let's <laughs> we're already but, planning. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the show has James McAvoy, Lynn Manuel Miranda. Miranda, and oh, oh my God, hot, hot priest, priest from Fleabag. I, although I don't think he's in, I don't think he's in it until the second season, though. Shut up! I thought he was going to be in like the end. Like, I could be wrong. It depends on where they end it. But I think that's he, true. That's I think true. he'll have a bigger okay, role. But he's something to hold out for. Like, exactly. Ugh. And in the meantime, you'll have Lin Manuel Miranda playing Lee Scoresby, who is the Texan aeronaut. Amazing. Um, so that should like, yeah, that should satisfy you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and it's got Daphne Keene. Who I, was oh, in, she was so um, good Logan. in Logan. She was oh incredible God, in that movie. Amazing. That movie was so good. So yeah, uh, and I just Wilson. have such high hopes. Yeah. Any of you Luther fans, Ruth, Ruth Wilson. Wilson, she's going to be so. Yes, I never watched uh, the affair, but I, she was so good in Luther, and she's so terrifying all the time. She's going to be amazing. I cannot wait. Yeah, it's it's going to be great. Uh, you'll probably hear us like geek out a lot more about it mm. either here or somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, so just prepare yourselves, get used to it now. We will know. be talking about it, but it may be in an article for. Sci-fi wear fangirls yeah. instead of the yeah, podcast. We'll, we'll, we'll let maybe you know. We'll, like talk your ears off. We'll yeah. just go write about it. We do that too. We write, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. We do that sometimes. We have like written. Well, no, we did write something. We should talk about what we wrote next episode. You're right. With, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's how you get haircuts. Yeah. The haircuts. Get excited. <laughs> All right, guys, if you want to hear more of our bullshitting, check us out on Twitter or over at Sci-Fi Aware Fangirls. We've got links to everything below this episode. And until next time, destiny is all bitches.